2: Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage.
0: Like
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. It's 16.8 degrees on a Wednesday. We're in the middle of the week at three past ten. Big show coming up. Well, Chris Clafunas is here, Special K, to do our producer preview. How morning. are you this morning? Good, thank you. How are you? Oh, mate, the money!
1: Here comes the money!
2: Here we go! Money
1: talk. Oh. Here comes the money!
4: <laughs>
5: how much did we win? Oh, mate!
3: God's lotto last night for the 32 players who texted in yesterday. Have a guess, how much have you won, Chris? Well, it was a 10 million lotto and 10 draw, million, and one person it? won 11 million, apparently. Yeah, right, I don't know how that works, but anyway, it was 11 million million
5: first prize. You're talking like it wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Not a Jats Cracker. <laughs> oh, no. I went to the local news agency, very boy, just said, you know, I'm just going to go, I know, sight unseen.
4: Oh.
6: And
3: I thought, we're going to put it in, it's going to go winner, and I'm going to go, would you like to see how much you won? It was going to send me straight to head office, yeah. so, you know, go into a room and talk about the quotes. Yeah. And I was
5: so confident and, as well. Were you? Yeah. We're due. We are. Our second ticket. We're on two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Only third. Nothing. No. But
3: anyway... Uh, we'll do it again soon. Surely. Yeah. Goslotto. For those who don't know, that's a play on Goslotto and Ozlotto. Oh. I know. Very clever. Oh. I know. Well, very mate. good from you. Hey, up here for thinking, down there for dancing. Right? <laughs> that's what my parents used to tell me all the time. How was your night? Um, yeah, it was. It was good. What'd you do? <laughs> I went to a family dinner. Actually, oh, you've got a funny story. Can you save that for Gillian Goss? Uh, that yeah. is an all-time okay. humour story involving your dad.
5: Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good dad story. Yeah, it is a good dad story. I'll hold on to it for yeah, Friday morning. I uh, did. Uh,
3: I hosted a function here at the stadium. You last did night at uh, the Victory Lounge. Which function was this again? This was the uh, Cyclone Saroja AFL Rams Community Fund. Appeal mm-hmm. set up by Andrew Lockyer, Hayes, uh, Harry Taylor, Jamie Cripps, Josh Kennedy. Good names, Paddy Cripps, yeah, and all the Eagles boys showed up: Gaff Sheed, uh, McGovern, uh, Mark Lacroix, Andrew Embley, Will Schofield, Matt Pretis, Nick nui uh, Tommy Barris, Tommy Cole. Uh, really great turn up, great Very great good. turnout, and they raised a lot of money, and everyone gave up their time last night. So, Brilliant, and I can just shed some light on it for those people listening. Did a bit of digging around. I, I did ask a very pointed question and made a pointed statement to Luke Shuey and got a bit um howled down by the uh, hecklers. Heckled, yeah, that's it. Really? The and then Josh Kennedy chimed in as well. I got the bird from uh, from Luke Shoey. As well. <laughs> oh, I asked him about losing the Derby and you know, in the captain of the team, and hmm. it's the first Derby that you've had as a loss as a captain, and what did that feel like, and how different is it? I thought it was an elephant in the room question. It had to be asked, you know. People paid good money to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, it didn't go down well. <laughs> um,
5: <laughs> at an eagles function, essentially. Well, it was
3: not, well, yeah, but I was given... I, mate, I was doing it for nothing, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't a joke. a perfectly reasonable uh, question. A, thank you, Chris. It was a very, very reasonable question. Did he answer it? Uh, he did, um, with a bit of um, coughing and spluttering and looking at me sideways. And, sure. And, um, yeah, uh, spoil the night. Um, but apart from <laughs> that... I uh, <laughs> uh, disappointed. (laughs) Uh, And to the Frio fans um, who think that the West Coast Eagles – no, 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 I take that back. Mm -hmm. Not Frio fans. To the Eagles fans who think their club has been derailed by this loss and derailed that there's something wrong within the group, I can assure you if those guys are the core uh, thermometers, barometers of the West Coast Eagles' uh, closeness and mateship and friendship inside their group – then I'm barking up the wrong tree because they were very, very close last night. Not just for the cause, but as a group and as a collective. Nothing to say here. Correct. Apart from being out of form.
5: Willie Rioli, straight back into the side? He wasn't there.
3: He wasn't there last night. Would you put him in? No.
5: You wouldn't play him? No. So you're in the camp of he hasn't necessarily earned his spot yet?
3: Um. I just don't see I mean although when you do speak to players they tell you that he's a game changer and he's and he's could be the difference, but X factor yeah, but you know it's one game and look yeah, but are know. they
5: going to do any damage in the finals and isn't it worth maybe starting him if off in an AFL competitive match to essentially start his preseason now that's an, that's another argument that I've heard I would play him waffle Eagles. that's where you start. you come back into
3: the fold. You train with the group, you play at West Coast Waffle,
5: you play AFL. Yeah, fair enough. That's my I would do it chronologically, but they hold him in such high esteem. It's the big discussion point this week. I'm um, I'm loving <laughs> the uh, the amount of different hot takes that everyone's got. Mike from Palmyra,
3: who's always very busy, 0487-736-736. <laughs> it's a good text. Hello, Goss and Special K. You get mentioned. See, I was a, that's a, When yeah, was the Mike. last time a producer got mentioned? See, we've made you something. You know, my mum. She said, "Be nice to the to, to Chris." Yeah. I think. Do you I think, think I'm like, nice to you? I think you're nice to oh, me. I think I'm nice to you. Yeah, I'm nicer to you off air than I'm on air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all an act. Which is nice. <laughs> I've told the boss to shove it, as we were going to win Goz Lotto, <laughs> <He> <laughs> Says Mike. Well,
5: Mike. Oh no.
3: <laughs> Sorry, Mike. <laughs> uh, unlucky,
5: Mike. Yes. What have we got coming up? Plenty, actually. Hamish Brayshaw, speaking ah. of the West Coast Eagles and their waffle side, the captain will have a chat yes. uh, with your good self shortly. Yep, looking forward shortly. to that. Georgie Parker, Georgie Parker, GP. Now she's been a little bit down because, yeah. of course, uh, Melbourne going back into lockdown. But yeah, she's yeah. well, she's been down, but she's also fired up because of Melbourne Demons wanting to play at the mcg in front of really? no fans really it's yeah. good on you melbourne pretty pathetic isn't it really yeah, exactly. <laughs> in my mind <laughs>
3: <laughs> mate come
5: on melbourne so she's up and about uh, around that dean margetts of course yeah, umpired his over. final game on the weekend in the western derby did he, a great job yeah he doesn't have the uh the afl parameters on him anymore no
3: Look out! Hoo-hoo. Here we go. You know, hey, if you're a Fremantle fan, watch out! No,
5: no, no, because he's still working for the WAFL Footy Commission, running the umpiring. Oh, okay, so he's not going to come in in his Eagles jumper this week, is he? No, well,
3: he'll come in with his bombers jacket on, his Eagles bombers jacket, oh, okay. bomber, bomber jacket. Oh. Nah, nah, no,
5: no, he's not an Eagles man.
3: No, he's not. He's Where did those rumours come from about his wife working at the Eagles? I've
5: got no So stupid. Oh, what is that? So dumb. Anyway. What I did like, though, I yeah, think we mentioned it, like? was him getting um, a nice little. A bit of applause at the Western Derby from the Fremantle fans. Yeah, he did. That was beautiful. He
3: did, and and I think that I think he liked that too. Yeah. And the fact is that Andrew Gaff. Oh, uh, I did speak to Gaffy last night um, on the stage and asked him about being booed. Yeah. And I said, "Do you hear it?" And he goes, "Oh, you hear it, and you know it's coming." Yeah. And he said, um, don't, don't bother. Didn't affect me. Okay, well, that's good. He said, "I've been copping it for a few years now." Yeah,
5: <laughs> should be used to it by now. Yeah, he's a good fella. He's uh, a really good fella. Speaking of yeah. Andrew Gaff, Gaffey. getting booed. Yeah. Uh, my friend and I share posts from West Coast Eagles fan pages. I oh, do. He gets you get absolute rip snorters. Do you there. really? Yeah. So someone's posted this. Is it anyone who sits around the commentators every derby that could take and ring a bell every time Andy Gaff touches the ball? Andy was a big call there. I yeah. I've never heard him called Andy. No, Gaff. I've never heard him called. Uh, so ring a bell every time he touches the ball. I think it would be a nice counter to the booing. It will get a commentator's attention eventually, and so be talked about. Then drive the salties crazy. <laughs> But to add a little pepper, it will take away from when Peter Bell used to have one rung every time we touched it. Seems like a bit of justice too, (laughs) which I thought was extraordinary on so many levels. Why a bell? I mean, Peter Bell got a bell because he's belly. And, you know, some could argue as well that, you know, Andrew Gaff has come under a little bit of criticism lately that maybe it would draw even more negative attention to Mm. perhaps if he's out of form. Oh, he's kicked it backwards again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, uh, So, yeah, it was, uh, it was an
3: interesting one, but I'm Andrew, loving... Andrew Gaff is a very, very good footballer. Oh, he's an excellent and the footballer. the more he got it on the weekend, the more I started giggling. Because <laughs> uh, Dean Margetz was, as I was going to say, Dean Margetz was pleased Andrew Gaff was playing.
5: Yeah. Because all the attention was going on the gaffy. Straight
3: gaffey. on the gaffy. Right on the gaffy. And I actually thought that um, d- the umpires wearing the light blue was a nice touch, because I think it was a, it was a, it's, a it's a passive colour. Yeah. Don't you reckon? The, the, yeah, the, I
5: prefer that to the yellow. Than the green? Oh, the green yellow, yeah. Highlighter um, green.
3: What about this one? Uh, this is Ray from Cardinia. Hi, Goss. You got the bird from the Eagles. Captain. Yes, I did, last night. <laughs> is that not part of the problem with the Eagles' sense of entitlement? And who is anyone in the media to question Eagles? No, Ray, Ray, Ray. It was done in jest, Ray. <laughs> it was done in pure jest. Because we, we, I asked him a question and, and uh, it was a very good night. Mm. Very good night. And um, I don't
5: know, it sound like, sounds like you stirred up the no, uh, West did. Coast players. Sounds no, I didn't like... stir up West Coast players. I stirred up the captain. Sounds like you got on the wrong side of Luke Shuey. No, Wolf. no such thing. Oh such thing.
3: Although I did make a, I did make a quip um, about a former TV station, and I don't want to name them that I used to work for, hmm. and um, <laughs> about the equipment wasn't working, okay, and I've hey. had and I've got this running gag that i if something goes wrong with the visual, I always blame a TV station. Sure. <laughs> you know, so I normally say, oh, you know, thanks to Channel Seven for the audiovisual equipment. So now I'm saying it thanks to Channel Ten yeah. if, if it doesn't work. I know. Comedy. Comedy. (laughs) It's an oldie but a goodie. Anyway, so I pulled out the Channel 10 line last night, just because I do.
5: Yeah.
3: Uh, I love Channel 10. I love the people there. Um, And I caught the eye of Andrew Embley. Yeah. And Embley is connected with Channel 10 because Mm -hmm. he works alongside uh, the bloke who replaced me. Yeah. Right? In their radio show. Um, pre-recorded one and he yeah. um, he said and I sort of said oh yeah, thanks to Channel 10 for the equipment
5: mm. good stuff
3: <laughs> he gave me death stares. nothing he gave me nothing come on
5: Embers come on Embers yes. oh,
3: I know it was meant to be a fun night it was for charity
5: I reckon that's good stuff Cyclops maybe it went over his head maybe he didn't get it
3: No, he got it, he got it. He's, a, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a good fan. and he came off the bench to fill in okay yeah man. yeah because he's, he's coaching the PSA um, assistant coaching at um, Trinity which is a good career move because they're not very good <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Alongside Darren House, but
5: uh, they'll be better next year. Footy factory in general, though, is, is
3: Yeah, very, very big, much so. so. And uh, Embers always puts his hand up to, to assist, and uh, he had a bit of an involvement there at Claremont with Darren Harris when Harrow was at the Tigers. So we've got a big show coming up. It's 14 past 10. Yeah, Don't plenty. forget, you can get in touch with us, and everyone has. Ray of Cardinia, Michael of zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six 0487736736 or 131255. Um, Brad Rewill is going to join us towards the end of the show, too. He's uh, riding across there at Belmont today but you've got to get in early because the first race is at four past twelve so he's got to ride in the
5: first who i think is called the invisible man yeah right okay so we might hear from brad around half past eleven then yeah yeah we'll try and get him on listen in for that to be in the money the money to be in the money (laughs) (laughs) Ah,
3: oh. <laughs> so easy you own, mate. There it is. <laughs> Seriously, you, I know, I know. You can't get good help nowadays. Unbelievable. but um, Yeah. Anyway, it, it froze on him apparently. Sure. Hey, no. as they say, <laughs> tradesman never blames his
5: tools. Thanks to Channel Ten for the equipment. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that, uh, hey, only I can. No, no. Oh, sorry, but, that's your gag. It's my gag, and only I can say it, and it's done in jest. <laughs> Joke time. What does? What, joke, Tom. What does a Marlon and an Andy Brayshaw have in common? They both got hooked by a gaff, Simon of Claremont. Yes.
4: Pole yeah. pole with it. Yeah,
5: we pull that. Yeah, tell you what. <laughs> tell, tell you what. What sort of audience have we got here? <laughs> Channel <laughs> Ten gag is considerably better than that. <laughs> no, come on, guys.
3: Come on, guys. Everyone needs to just lighten up a little bit. Uh, Justin Langer has been in the news. And our man, Adam Gilchrist, who I have now... You know how Gilly told me I've got to get off Twitter and I have done the same? Mm-hmm. Um, yep, I'm off. Uh, he's now... I have told him no more comments on Justin Langer. That's it. No more. I don't want him to talk about it anymore. He's said his piece. He's said his piece in support. He has talked about... He thinks there's a bit of an agenda, a bit of a, an agenda from a section... And there's also the, the concern about what's happening inside the group. Yeah. Well, Malcolm Conn, who's been around cricket for a long time as a journalist and is working for Cricket New South Wales and Cricket Australia, has spent an article today talking about um, uh, working alongside Langer and having troubles with Langer and citing examples of the troubles they have with Langer. Now, I've got a, a few issues with that. I would have thought if you were uh, agreed to be the media manager of a workplace that. What happens off the field and behind the scenes stays behind the scenes and off the field. Not Then all of a sudden you go back into the journalistic world and you can write it. Mm. I find that's a bit peculiar. But Malcolm's at the back end of his career and he probably doesn't give a rat's toss bag and so be it. You know what I mean? But, um, and each to their own. We, we, we've got a vested interest in Justin Langer because we like Justin Langer as a person and we're not involved in the inner circle of Cricket Australia. So we you know understand some of his weaknesses, but at the same time, we don't have them firsthand. Jared Whateley opened up his show today with a bit of an editorial. Uh, have a listen to how he thinks the situation involving Justin Langer as coach of the Australian team and a whole range of other little issues which are bubbling along over there, creating, um, well, a very unstable future with the Ashes not too far away. It's 17 past 10. Here is Jared
0: Whateley this morning. So I do want to start with a question this morning. I think it's a question we all have a stake in how clear has it been over the past five years that the Australian men's cricket team is the team that we find most representative for better, most representative for better and for worse. So, Are we going to run Justin Langer out of the Australian coaching position? Is that where this is headed? The heat and the chatter around Langer's position intensifies by the day. And I'm quite happy to say I can't recall a scenario that is harder to read. There's a usual pattern around the slow demise of a coach. And there's a a few of those hallmarks that are emerging. Not all of them, but certainly a few of them. I find it hard to judge, so what's nitpicking and what is fundamentally unsettling? So Langer's passion, this has always struck me as his greatest virtue, and that's long before he became national coach. I can think of a few functions that I was at where Langer embodied what it was to wear the baggy green more completely than any cricketer I've ever come across. And I think he has tried to coach the nation as well as the team. He came in as a wartime coach. I think he was well-suited to that. Now that passion seems to be used against him. Most great coaches, Bill Belichick, Mick Malthouse, Wayne Bennett, are notoriously grumpy. We could agree on that, couldn't we? Notoriously grumpy. But for Langer, this is now a hanging offence. The results are poor. The summer loss to India was a bad team result. And then Australia's T20 form has never been very good. And that has unfolded across three consecutive tours. The first one, Langer wasn't in charge of. And the second one, with most of the key players choosing not to go. The coach's relationship with the players is absolutely central, and this is the bit that I find the hardest to read. So you'd be forgiven for thinking that this has entirely collapsed. I'm not sure that's true across the board. It might be more true that there are a couple of groups, one that is absolutely devoted to his methods and his teachings and his coaching, and one who find it, as it's been called, draining. So Malcolm Conn's written a piece in the nine papers today, it's on the back page of The Age, I, I would absolutely encourage you to seek it out. He's written it from the vantage point as the media manager, working with Langer and how difficult he found that and the insights that he gleaned. I'm truly struggling to know whether that's fair to put that out there. I said to Ross, who produces this show, in a couple of years' time, if he's moved elsewhere and then he was to write a piece detailing just how difficult I am to work with, I think I would find that unfair. We're a team in this environment, so you are employed to work with the coach. The the paragraph at the end, but players are being worn down by the volatile, high-stress environment he creates as coach and his folksy, cliche, motivational homilies. I hope we're not going to boil Langer's coaching contribution down to folksy, cliched motivational homilies. Are we, are we going to run Justin Langer out of the job? Will we be better off if that happens? The dressing room will have to answer that. So I don't see any alternative now than Cricket Australia has to figure this out. Maybe they already know good portions of it. The two moments of decision are coming. The World Cup, the T20 World Cup, a pinnacle event ahead of a home World Cup next year, and critically, the Ashes against an England team that we're going to regard as not much good. You can't have this sit over the entire summer. One way or another, I am with Adam Gilchrist now. This is going to have to be sorted before it gets there. And a little bit like... Collingwood with Nathan Buckley. I'll believe that Cricket Australia is worse off the moment it runs Justin Langer out the door. Talking
3: WAFL football with Hamish Brayshaw. Hammer is the captain of the West Coast Eagles waffle team coming off a pretty disappointing performance last Sunday against West Perth. We won't dwell on it too much Hammer but it wasn't the West Coast Eagles waffle team that we've seen over the last month and a bit.
2: No, gosh, it wasn't. First of all, thanks for having me back. Uh, second of all, yeah, it wasn't a very good game for us. One to forget, I think. Um, look, West Perth are a very, very good team uh, and have been probably the informed team of the comp for the last sort of, you know, two months. Mm. Uh, but that was unlike us. I mean, we didn't really have our team defence working too well. Uh, we were thinking that this was going to be a really good opportunity to test ourselves. We've done a lot of work in that area of our game for the last the back half of this year and, and they're the number one team at moving the ball. So we thought that this was going to be a good challenge and uh, and they lived up to their the standards that they would set. You know, every time we turned the ball over in our costly areas they, they made us pay and um, you know, you only have to look at the scoreline to see that they got some really good looks going forward. Cartel kick seven, played a phenomenal game, but yeah, their midfielders you know, capitalised on our turnovers so that's what they've been doing all year and they're a good side but yeah it was a bit unlike us and a disappointing result but you know we, we've reviewed the game and we've looked at the things we've done wrong and we sort of cost ourselves a little bit but again you know it's uh, that's I think an anomaly for us at this point of the year it was, it was the normal sort of at the beginning but I think we've got it ourselves to a point where that's not really a pattern that's more of just an event and we can You know, we'll look
3: to Rathess and go again this week against Peel. A chance to, yeah, bounce back against Peel. Now, they're probably going to be fairly decimated again. They have been over the last couple of weeks with the way Fremantle have had to keep their players sort of uh, in um, lockdown, so to speak, uh, a little bit strange. And they're back on the road again in Tassie on the weekend. Um, The last time you played them, they were chock full of AFL talent. They had Sturt, Bewley, Tracy, Weston, O'Driscoll, Banfield, Meek, Blakely, Valenti, Giro, Henry. Uh, And this was probably the day that I think you might only had four, five, or maybe six players, and they got you pretty well and truly. On that day, I think uh, Bell Blair kicked six. uh, Blair Bell, sorry, kicked six, and Tracy kicked five. So uh, very different lineups going into this week's game from when the last time you met them earlier in the year.
2: Yeah, no question. I think um, last time we, from memory, I think we, we were... Our AFL, we had about three or four guys get hurt or pull up sick the, the night before the game, so we were very light on um, numbers. But and they, and they were pretty stacked. But they had a, they played really well last time. I think they've like hit 156 points or something. Which yep. you know we've we, we've come yeah. such a long way since we played them last. I think. Um, I mean, we understand what it's like. We're also on a line team, and we're going to have. If we, we'll be. You know, the AFL team will be in Brisbane, and we're not sure who's going to be going over there and how that's going to work. Uh, so I think it's part and parcel of being an alignment team that you know when the AFL boys are doing things that there's changes that will occur. So we're in the, we're in the same boat there. Uh, we're both on the same point, so I think it'll be a good contest. But I'm very much hoping that it'll be a little bit different than the last
3: time we played. <laughs> <or. laughs> very much so. So, you, so as much as the, the the jungle drums are certainly beating that Willie Rioli is going to be playing in Brisbane, everyone seems to think that's the case. Have you been? A, uh, have you crossed paths with him? Has he done much training? Have you done much training with him at any stage down there at the waffle level?
2: Well, I, no, I actually haven't. I um, I did a little. I do a little bit of training with the AFL boys, or had done throughout the season. But uh, with the, the the boys going away and COVID restrictions and the, and the like coming back into play a bit more, I haven't actually got to train with Willie yet. Uh, I'm not look. I'm not sure what they're going to do with him. Um, if he plays AFL, you know, that's fine. If he plays Waffle he's going to have a couple of games, and we'll certainly welcome him. But um, no, I think he's looking in pretty good nick. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to all that and and it's obviously a big hype game for if he does come back. Um, But, you know, I I think he's done his two-year suspension, he's played his due so wherever he plays, I think if he's good enough to play in the 22, he's good enough otherwise we'll, uh, we'll happily welcome him. But yeah, I've, uh, I've seen him train through the window of the community department, but not actually had a kick with him yet. So, I've crossed paths with him and he's ready to go, but uh, yeah, I'll be looking forward to watching him wherever he plays.
3: Talking all things a Waffle with Hamish Brayshaw, captain of the West Coast Eagles Waffle, but across the entire competition. Before we move on to just the three games for this round, uh, including yours against Peel, which we've, which we've touched on, um, were you surprised, uh, you certainly would have been surprised, we were in this studio last week. Um, East Shermantle doing a job on Subiaco? I mean, they had a few late withdrawals, had a lot of uh, players out. Uh, they had, I think, Clark did a hammy in the first three minutes of the game. But East Shermantle certainly pulled their pants down in the second quarter, and that was the game changer.
2: Yeah, I, I was incredibly surprised seeing that. I think Clark definitely going down hurts. But, uh, I mean, I, I looked at the scoreline, I looked at the worm, looked at the blokes who, you know, got a bit of the footy. And I think their leaders really stood up. John O'March had a phenomenal game from all reports. Um, And, you know, I mean, East Rio touched us up at the start of the year. They beat us by 100 points or 120 points. So they're a team that, once they get going, they're very, very good. And I think that's probably the way it's worked with all Waffle sides this year. Everyone at their best can, you know, really give it a go. Some teams do it more often than others. But, um, you know, East Rio is a team that can really get on top of you if they get their ball movement going. And, from reports that's what happened against Subiaco I, I don't expect that to be a pattern for Subi going forward I still think they're the team to beat but um, certainly would have ruffled a few feathers uh, at uh,
3: Lionland no doubt about that alright so Fremantle uh, can butter up again they take on East Perth now this game is for predominantly for in fact it is basically for the best of the beaten brigade Six spot up for grabs who do you like this is at Leaderville Oval on Saturday
2: yeah, well, I um, I would have said East Perth last week, but uh, given the way that Dave I played the other day, I think I'm going to have to lean towards them.
3: Having played West Perth, they take on South Fremantle uh, again. Uh, West Perth aiming for a top two spot, and South Fremantle also sort of trying to lock away uh, the double chance.
2: It's the match of the round, uh, outside of the West Coast Eagles versus Peel, obviously, <laughs> but um, no, this is it's going to be a big game. I think West Perth. Uh, the informed team, as I said before, but South Rio have, you know, have tried and tested, hardened team. So um, I think it'll be a really good game. I think West Perth will get the edge over them. Um, especially if they can play the same way they did against us. But I think it'll be a really hard-fought, contested game, but I will
3: go with uh, West Perth. Alrighty there, just the three games. So you're tipping East Fremantle as a late change there. You're yep. tipping West Coast to beat uh, Peel, and you're going for West Perth to beat South Fremantle. Last one for you, mate. What's the mood like around the footy club at the moment on the back of the disappointment of losing the Derby? Of course, your brother didn't play, so you probably had no vested interest in it. You're probably cheering for your waffle mates, or your Eagles mates, of course, but uh, unfortunately it wasn't to be.
2: Yeah, it was a. Uh, the mood is a bit. It's it's interesting because I mean I have been at the club now for four years and we've well this is my fourth year around the place and we've made finals every other year so the fact that it's in jeopardy and you know there's things that have, we we're in not we're in the hands of others I guess uh, we've got to win and obviously against Brisbane but then things have got to go our way so it's the first time that that's sort of happened to me so um, it's an interesting feeling. Uh, there's not. not lack, but there is a bit of disappointment around, um, but also anticipation for what could be a pretty big game in uh, in Brisbane, so I don't think, uh, certainly hope's not lost, the, the boys are still very much ready to go over and, and play Brisbane and win and then see what happens from there um, but yeah, I think it was disappointment coming off the weekend I think that's one that uh, the first quarter really put us out of the game. So looking to bounce back and I think, you know, the boys will certainly
3: give it one last roll of the dice. All all the very best on Saturday. David Gray's Arena, West Coast Eagles waffle against Peel Thunder, the AFL-aligned clubs. Have a good one and enjoy the rest of your week. You too. Thanks very much for having me on, Goss. There's Hammer Rayshaw, Hamish Rayshaw, the captain of the West Coast Eagles waffle team, talking all things WAFL football here on The Sporting Goss. Absolutely. If you're just tuning in, you can get onto sen.com.au. Check it out, or you can download the app, and there's the podcast button on the bottom. Catch up on any of the programs you hear on the SEN network. And or anywhere you uh, get your podcasts, you can just download, uh, of course, Sporting Goss is on there, Gillian Goss, uh, Drive with Peter V, the whole lot. So uh, please don't hesitate to uh, get there. Still to come, Brad Rewill is going to join us. Dean Margetz in the studio uh, and Georgie Parker not too far away as well. Plenty to come, of course, on the way. Um, been some conjecture in regards to the uh, the finals situation. I'm going to ask Georgie Parker that in a moment. Also, hearing that Reese Conker has told the Fremantle players that he hasn't been offered a contract for next year, so his uh, days at Fremantle are over. The former Tiger in Reese Conker. Zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. Gary and Tim, as we go to the break, spoke about Willie Rioli this morning on SEN Breakfast in Melbourne. Here's Gary and Tim
6: on the comeback of Willie Rioli. The Willie Rioli factor. I'm excited to see Willie
4: back. I know you. Are, I'm I'm staggered that uh, he's made his way back uh, yeah. for this game. Yeah. But crazy. Do, why you were talking off air this morning? About how good you think he is. No, how good you think Willie is. Yeah, I think I won't go into any of that other stuff.
6: I think he's unbelievably good. I think he's like... He can be as talented as anyone, as any small forward in this game. And you don't think we've seen the best of him, do you? No, scratch the surface. Some of the stuff he does, Willie Rioli, with the ball in his hand, is my... It's... I when they had I the last, la- the last time I, don't I su- make our digital people's job too okay. easy. You're
3: not going to go. Uh, you're not going to do a hot take on it. Are?
6: No, I could do a hot
3: take. Okay, but when those two were playing together, Liam Ryan and no. Willie Rioli, I remember having this conversation with you. They had the two best kicks in the game playing in their front half.
6: There was a highlight we put. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, how important is that kick inside fifty these days? The most. It's always been important. There was a highlight we played last night on Willie dancing around three blokes and kicking a goal. You get, go back and watch it and watch how easy he does that he, he's got the capacity of, anyway I don't know he's, he hasn't played for two years his fitness wasn't great when he came back but they're saying that he's put a fair body of work together and he's the kind of thing that the Eagles need like the Eagles have been crabbing sideways they, they want someone mm. to take them forward Wisp he's the man no he's not going to go into the midfield and get 35 touches but Hopefully he gets through Maybe they do Maybe they don't But then he's on track For a big pre-season And uh, he'll be exciting He's as exciting As any player I reckon Any any player I reckon Big, small
7: Any player in the competition
6: Well you're trying to get me To hot take here I'm just saying I'm not trying to get you you You're trying to hot take me You're trying to hot take
7: me I am not trying to hot take you (laughs) Yes you are
0: is WA a risky strategy? Uh,
6: that is very real, but as is the whole country. It's just yes. a risk everywhere. So um, we know that they're a bit trigger-happy over there, and if it is one, then it is one. But I think that's a situation all around the country. So that is very real, Jared. but that's life. That's the
0: world we live in. Uh, the MCG on the back of that just isn't realistic. So that's real in that I can't emotionally engage with the tease that somehow or another there's a plan in the bottom drawer which might be pulled out at the one day. All we're do is live in the circumstances we are in Victoria, in Melbourne at the moment where we've been plunged back into curfew and lockdown has been extended and that looks a fantasy. Looks less likely than ever. Yes, yes. And we sort of lived through this last year as it could, it could, it could. No, it can't. No. And we sort of knew that it can't. So I can't emotionally engage in that. It's it, The protection mechanism is just to shut it off and go, no, it's not going to be here. All finals should... Now... All finals should be at neutral venues so if Melbourne, the Bulldogs Geelong and Sydney can't host finals should Port Adelaide and Brisbane be allowed to or should they also be asked to go and play at neutral venues? No, I say
6: they should be allowed to. If Port Adelaide and Brisbane um, have earned the right to have a home final and they can play at their home venue then I say fair enough. Brisbane, the, the, The cards rolled for Brisbane, the dice rolled for Brisbane last year, they were able to do it didn't get them across the line, didn't get them to the grand final so I, I think if they've put adelaide and brisbane are in that vogue and i would put geelong into that mix as well if geelong have earned the right for a home final and they can get a crowd down there then play it there as well
3: Quarter to 11, uh, good sporting goss. That was uh, Gary Lyon and Jerry Whaley on AFL 360 last night. And this is what is consuming, apart from Carlton situation, and the odd retirement and a uh, bit of drama here, there and everywhere, is consuming the media landscape of football at the moment. Georgie Parker joins us for her regular spot on Sporting Goss. Georgie, I know you've been queuing up for a, a test today. How are you feeling today? How, how are you coping with uh, the extended lockdown over there in Melbourne town?
8: Oh, mate, it's so grim over here. I mean, I didn't experience this last year, but I guess this year we have. I mean, Victoria itself, nine out of the last 12 weeks, have been in some form of lockdown situation. So it's pretty grim over here. Everyone's up to their wits' ends. And it's frustrating because even, you know, when the world feels as though it's ending. You go to the sport pages and that gives you some glimmer hope and I guess we had two weeks over the Olympics where we didn't really discuss COVID and then suddenly you're trying to watch news about footy and all it is is COVID, COVID, COVID. Mm. You just can't escape it at the moment. So um, I'm, it's hard because you can't, you just can't get away from it, but it is what it is. And, yeah,
3: 633 yeah. cases in Sydney today, 20-odd again in Melbourne, going nowhere fast. Um, it's not blowing out in Melbourne, which is one promising sign, but until yeah. there's virtually none, you, you're just going to have to grin and bear it. Uh, look, just turn our attention to the footy speak, and yeah. uh, Sammy Edmund reporting, Melbourne are campaigning to host a qualifying final at an empty MCG rather than interstate, but it seems to be falling on deaf is. Uh, do you have a take?
8: It is the most Victorian football club thing you could ever imagine, isn't it? You know, I mean, I'm from Adelaide, lived in Perth, so you're well aware of how, I guess, you feel as though the VFL and where lucky to be part of it is how they want us to feel and something like that I just don't know who wins there unless of course it's a safety measure for the other states in terms of not bringing COVID in but these players are getting tested two three times a week and under very strict quarantining rules themselves I just don't know who actually wins in that situation I mean the players don't win because they're not playing in front of a crowd there's no atmosphere and that. Atmosphere is part of why you play. You know, the league doesn't win because there's no money coming through which gets filtered down to grassroots, the female footy, all the way through down there. You know, the, the fans don't win because we're not there. You're watching a, something that's not as good to watch on TV or to hear on the radio. I just don't know who wins there. So I don't know whether a win for the football club is worth... Or I don't think they are bigger than the game itself, which is all the other stakeholders.
3: Very much so. And they talk about, we just heard Gary and Jared speaking on AFL 360 last night about the advantage of a home final and those clubs that are, have rightfully earned one, of course, but in particular, those who can play in front of crowds. Brisbane can, Port Adelaide can, yep. and Geelong can amongst Geelong fans only, Geelong-based people. You can't be yeah. a going down. Can you see some merit in that? And then does that make it unfair on, on a Bulldogs or a Melbourne?
8: How many? times have they moved Geelong to play a final in Melbourne? You know, I think they change the rules all the time. How many times have you watched interstate teams who finish on top of the ladder have to play at the MCG? So it's an unfair competition at the best of times. We're an 18-team competition that plays 23 rounds. It's an unfair competition whether we want to believe it or not. So Mm -hmm. why are we picking and choosing when we're going to play that card? It's really frustrating because... I, I really feel as though these clubs are then thinking we're more important than the fans, which they're not. The fans are the heart and soul of this.
3: Well, Melbourne just want to win the flag. That's all they care about. They don't. They that, do not care about dollars and cents. They just drink. want correct. They want to win the flag. So you can, I, I can see where they're coming from. But I, I don't think that's big picture. That's a, that's a very narrow-minded yep. viewpoint yep. in regards to
8: them. Very entitled Victorian way about looking at it. Um, and potentially they might not be like that if they hadn't been so long between drinks with them. Maybe. Who knows? But um, I, I feel as though, you know, it's unprecedented times, how many times we say that. So it's just frustrating as a, as a fan of the game. I'm here in moment. I'd love for things to be going on here. Um, but, you know, it, it's a national game. And the game is bigger than the club, the game, all about the fans. It should be anyway. The Carlton
3: Review uh, is in the hands of the board and I'm led to believe the new president, Luke Sayers, has said this morning that the 81,500 members will have... A reading of the review before the club makes a statement on what they're going to act on the review of uh, Graham Lowe um, Jeff Walsh and, and Matthew Pavlich um, it's clear that you know, all the, we had, they had open access to, to everyone at the football club to, to chat to them Pav spoke to us uh, here on Monday in his Gillian Goss uh, studio segment said it was rather difficult because most of his stuff yeah we love Pav um, but most of his stuff was done by Zoom and meetings and, 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 like, mm. and he wasn't able to get over there first hand um... Can you imagine being David Teague? And for that for that matter, David Teague's family and friends and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. to have your career, and it's pretty obvious which way this is going to go, to have it played out as much as it is. And now, Ross Lyon, not for the want making up stories, but adding a bit of mayonnaise to the Lee Matthews conversation, which has had to seek some clarity from Lee Matthews about what actually he did say. Um, and obviously, he wants the job. And there's talk of him already assembling a, a committee, to a coaching committee and coaching group, Um, it must be really difficult on David Teague. Forget about the players and forget about the fans and forget about the club. David Teague, how tough.
8: Yeah, and and I mean, I'm still in the camp that I feel as though he's only been there for two years and he probably got the job prematurely after a little bit of a takeover period that the boys performed in. So then he got this job. And I think, I don't know if he wasn't ready for it or, um, you know, there's, there's something bigger picture than just David Teague. And I guess that's what this report is going to show because they've got this history at that club in the last, you know, 10 years of going through coach after coach and not having any success, no matter who the coach is. So what's the common denominator there, you know? Mm. Um,
3: and the same, same, almost goes with Justin Langer at the moment. It's just incredible some of the stuff going on. If you're the media yeah. manager, if you're a media manager of a sporting organisation, and then you're no longer the media manager, do you think you should be putting that out into the public space about some of the times you spent in that job? Unless you are writing it in a book, he's writing it for a newspaper. Yeah. I'm talking about Malcolm Con. Jared Whateley thinks that's mm-hmm. uh, not quite kosher. What's your thought?
8: Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's kind of like it's meant to be a safe space, isn't it? Um, so you know I guess I had not really a similar situation I guess with the hockey um, review that they had earlier this Mm -hmm. year I was very very mindful of the way I spoke the language I used and what I said and who I said it to because in the end I didn't think that that was going to help hockey with certain things that I was saying and there's ways to go about it to actually get your, your voice heard to the right people so um I don't know. You have a lot of trust within sporting organizations and I, they're not normal workplaces as well. So things that are getting said and, and stress levels are completely elevated at all times. So it's a, it's not a normal workplace. It shouldn't be ever compared to a normal workplace. doesn't mean that things should get swept under the rug, of course. Mm. Um, but I do think that um, things need to be completely put into context before you can read into them and I think sometimes these little snippets of how things were said hasn't had the whole story of the lead up, the things that happened after it either so it is kind of an interesting one where you have to take it as a grain of salt, that's what I do anyway because um, coaches under immense stress and you know, I think a lot of coaches if you actually took every single thing they said they could get in a lot of trouble but if you put it into context they wouldn't. 100%
3: Agree. Uh, Cheer up. I know you're doing it tough. I know you're doing it tough. tough. Uh, Our thoughts are with you um, and everyone over there in Melbourne town. um, And uh, uh, we will chat to you on Monday on Gillian Goss. Uh, Keep firing and um, everything will be okay. Good on you. Thanks, Parker. Go, go
8: free on the
3: weekend, hey? Go free on the weekend. They're playing down in Tasmania. Nice work by you. It is five away from 11. Dean Margetz has arrived. He's no longer an AFL umpire. He is going to lift the lid on everything. And oh, <laughs> No, he's not. He's just walked into the studio. He's just come in still wearing his umpire's top, which is in, in fact, he's still wearing his uniform. He's wearing his blue outfit that he's got on. Let's take some news, uh, a break, and then news. It's 18.3 degrees. You're listening to Sporting Girls. <laughs> Welcome back. 18.3 degrees, heading for a top of 20 degrees. 18 tomorrow, 18 on Friday. Hello, if you're listening to us on SEN Spirit 621. Thanks for joining us on the app, wherever you are, or DAB Peel as well. Well, on the weekend, it was the end for Dean Margetts. I think three seventy-seven was it? That was it. Finished three seventy-seven. You walked off the ground, and you did get some very genuine applause from the faithful. In particular, those people who were where the umpires left the ground. And I think that was quite touching. And you held the ball up, and you acknowledged. Um, that was a nice touch.
1: Yeah, it was. I haven't had that before. I only took three seventy-seven games to get it, Dim. But no, it was. It was nice. I think uh, ultimately, people sort of, as much as it's a bit of um, theatre on the during your career, it certainly um, was nice to get a, an applause coming off um, off the ground. It was a bit like that. Bell bowl, might, When you walk off, he puts his arm up and yep. tugs that person. Yep. A bit like that.
3: And when you walked on the ground and held the ball up and you got presented the ball, um, which was interesting, um, uh, there was almost no reaction. Mm. I always thought you were going to get, you know, a warm reception as yeah. you normally would. There was nothing.
1: It was weird, wasn't it? I'm not sure. I, I was in a bit of a state of flux. I wasn't even sort of thinking. I mean, I actually chose um, about an hour before the game to walk around the Oval, just to, just to walk around and just soak up the sun. Well, and, on the ground? Yeah, just I around. I say say in, in the outer. In the, it's as far as like the outside boundary line. Yeah. And a few people sort of leaned over and said, well done. And yep. there's some people I knew. It was it was good. Um, but yeah, certainly a lot of still mixed emotion today. I remember yeah. yesterday when or Monday when the appointments came out for round 23, I'm like, what game have I got? And I was like, oh, i a game. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be a, an adjustment yeah. through the next phase. Yeah, oh, it certainly will be. Yeah.
3: So tell us through the day. Tell us through the day. Who, who went and watched you umpire? You know, when you we see it a lot about players and they run out on the ground with family. I, the, the umpiring's a bit different. It's a little bit more understated and it's just a part and parcel of our game. But who went to the gun? Uh,
1: well, it was very nice before the game. Um, certainly Richard Goiter and his wife um, came down and saw me. And, Janine. Uh, Janine. 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 Yep, um, lovely people. And yep. um, to think the chairman could come down and wish me the best and he yep. my career was great. Um, Shannon Herney wasn't playing, stuck his head in to say all the best. We've, I've had a bit of a running joke with Josh Kennedy and Shannon Herney for a while at this who would outdo the Retirement, <laughs> and um, you probably would have noticed I Josh saw the Kennedy, end. he made a, bee-line, uh, he made for a you. beeline for me. And I, I got some great video of that my friends were up in you know section 527 <laughs> looking down, and they said, What's Josh Kenny run over for? And obviously, the backstory is, you know, we had this bit of banter, and he just went, went up and said, All the best, congratulations. I looked him in the eye and said, You beat me, mate. And he goes, Yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unjust. Um, but as far as who was there, my you know, obviously, my mum and dad were there, my brother, um, partner, children, um, my auntie who's never been to a derby before, she just absolutely loved it. Yeah, um, had a whole heap of friends and family, and they. And those people have been with me for, not just my umpiring gym, but for my whole life. Like yeah. my two best mates, you know, when I played with them when I was seven, they were there and they've been through. And it's not easy being connected to me. No. It's difficult. Um, no. I, I had a function last night at that Waffle in front How'd of me. How'd that go? Yeah, it was really good. Yep. Got roasted by a few of your media friends, which was <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> Tim Gossage, Adam Papaleo. <laughs> Mark Duffield, Craig O'Donoghue, <laughs> Lockie Reed, all stitching up, re some media stuff, but that's okay. It's good fun, and uh, it, the fact that you did it was very nice. Yeah, um, But it's certainly. Um uh, it was just a chance to reflect a bit mm. um, on, on what's been a big journey. And, and like I said, I remember my mum won a footy tipping competition a few years ago at her work, and um, she won it genuine fair. And, you know, that's hard. You know what tipping's like. It's impossible. I, I dislike tipping. Yeah, so she won it, and she went away on holidays and had to get someone to do a tip. She was more stressed about the tips when she went away. Anyway, she won <laughs> it fair and square. And I remember her saying to me that when she won it, people said, oh, tell you, because your, your son's an AFL umpire. I mean, I never even spoke to her about a tip once. Um, and when she walks in the office in the morning, they say, oh, yeah, the doctor's got back. Your son's cheap." it again. I think people forget the personal side that, you know, I'm still her son. I mean there's an umpiring Correct. part to the public. But, Correct. You know, I'm, so that would hurt them a bit and they have to read a lot of stuff and my friends have to read a lot of stuff and it's not always easy. So
3: Dean Margetz is in the studio. I'd love to if you've got a question for Dean, you can text it through 0487 736 736 or 1312 55, good, bad or indifferent. Frio fans, Eagles fans, footy fans in general. Zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six at six past 11. I'm going to talk more about your journey in a moment, and and the, and the sort of the the the, uh, the 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 blinkers are off now because you're no longer. But you know, you're not going to sit here and tip a bucket on the system or in, you know, the AFL, or, and you're still working in the WA Footy Commission spaces in the in the umpiring department as well there, and and developing the, the next umpires. Um, I want to ask you about a couple of things. That people said uh, when Dean came in, can he make a comment? Where were you when Caleb Sarong uh, kicked that great goal in the at the eastern end of the ground? Yep. Um, when the replay clearly showed it was out by a long way. Not just out, it was out. Uh, Adam Chera, where were you? And what is the rule on an AFL umpire overruling the boundary umpire? Because I think there was a AFL field umpire standing Mm. within metres of that ball going out.
1: Yeah. So first of all, I was the mid-zone umpire, so I was the the second closest, but I was sort of behind. Yeah, And you know, you just sort of, oh, it just feels like it looked like it was out and Mm. you you sense that. And then you look at the replay and all that looked out. Mm. Uh, Essentially, the field umpire is the sole controller of the match. So the three field umpires essentially oversee the whole thing. So as far as overriding, if the umpire was in that position, as you articulated, um, saw that and he thought it was absolutely he could blow it out of bounds and say, look, I'm, I'm calling that out. Um, I think when you look up the line there, you know, the sun's in his face. I could make excuses. Um, but what we do need to understand is when the, when the ovals does that sort of curvature there, we've got to make sure the ball is fully out. So he's got to be sure. And I know the um, instruction from the, um, the AFL Bound Jumper's coach is Look, we don't want you to guess, just make sure it's out. So, I guess if he had that 10% doubt, and, we, and he may have had that, I haven't actually spoken to um, the umpire after the game and read that, he might have sensed that and just didn't blow it. Now, you could look back on replays and go, well, it's out but it's also easy in the padded chair with the headset on, watching the replays. He's got to make it call cool there and then. Correct.
3: Uh, and straight out of three-quarter time, Cripps has a shot on goal. It's touched clearly on the line, Alex. Uh, sorry, touched off the boot, uh, 50, 40 metres away from the goal umpire, which is not the goal umpire's call. And I and I, I really do think that needs to be uh, spoken about. Goal umpires should be not commenting on whether there is a touch down the ground unless the field umpire says it's touched. But then it gets reviewed before it goes back to Correct. the middle. Is that how it... But it get reviewed on the advice that Alex Pearce made a beeline for the umpire and said, I touched that, and he did it straight away. So does the field umpire then say, can we have a real close look at that?
1: No, every... every Every close call is reviewed. The arc system in Victoria is it, there's a person just looking for all those things, you know, all these different Hawkeye a- angles. So, I mean, I'm sure when Alex came to Jeff and said, "Hey, I've touched it," that gets brought up on our mics, and it sort of heightens the awareness of the um, of the umpire. But as we saw, um, it wasn't through Alex pleading for it. It just gets reviewed with those close calls, and we go through the process of a score review. And I guess when you are s- right. yeah, when you see it, it's clear touch, oh. and I guess that was the one where we remember was it the, the Geelong St Kilda Grand Final many moons ago, with the boy hit the post, it was obvious we got yep. that wrong. I yep. think it was to stop those. Hours, yeah, but again, if it's touched, it's touched, and we want to get the right result. And I think the right result was gained. And you know,
3: yeah. Um, as an AFL umpire, do th- do you think the technology is good enough for the reviews? Uh,
1: I think it does. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I, think, like, I, think- like, I like,
3: for me, you and me talking. Mm. I like human error. Yep. I think human error is part of the game. I think human error is the part of the game for players, umpires, coaching moves everyday life is based yeah. on human error. And I know people say, oh, but it, it might cost you an AFL grand final. But no one cared in the 70s and 80s and the 90s yeah. and even
1: 10 years ago. I mean, it's such a 360 game. Look at our ball. We, it, it's an oval-shaped ball. i yeah. got one in front of me right now and, yeah. and it's just designed to bounce funny. We saw the Stephen Mill bounce. that yeah. I mean, that bounce, him. he's a premiership player. It bounces yeah. the wrong way. He's not. So it's a finite game of inches, I guess, with so much media scru- grounds aren't the same length. Not the same width, length, yeah.
3: And the turf's not the same. All, all that and stuff. Scru- and I, think,
1: was I, I do think, though, with so much media, media scrutiny and, and so much invested in games and people's livelihoods are on it and there's lots of um, you know punting on footy I guess people just want to get that integrity of getting the right result. so I guess where we were back in the 70s it's just changed our life's changed Tim as we know I mean I, I know that just you know when I pick up my own phone that didn't happen 20 years ago yeah. it does today yeah
3: 0487 736 736 for Dean Margetts or 1312 55. More on your career and where to now for Dean Margets. We're going to get a breakaway and come back. 0487 736 736 or, as I said, 1312 55. We go to the break. Hearing from Jack Revolt on AFL 360 last night. What's gone wrong for the Tigers this year? This is The
7: Sporting Goss. I think there's a whole host of factors. I mean, there's. I think there's a little bit of fatigue in there. Just even going a month longer than, than most sides for for the last four years, and 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 the weight of last year, even working all the way up to to the end of October, has probably had a bit of a toll not only on the playing group, but maybe the coaching staff as well. Um, Where we haven't been blessed with a great injury toll this year. I mean, um, <coughs> Toby Dan-Kervis and and Van Solda are probably two of our most important players, and. And we've struggled to have them on the park. We haven't had sold over the whole year just due to an ACL. Um, we've had little niggles along the journey and to be honest, sides have sides have probably played us a little bit different and they've mm. they've gone to home, they've gone to do their homework on us and, and, and we need to I mean, we need to evolve and grow. We still firmly believe that we've got a, a great list there, um, a really talented list with with some youth to come through and, and obviously the senior core group. But the exciting thing for us is that we've got some early picks in the draft um, and we really see this as a learning year. And if we look back on our, our recent history, 2016 was a, was a really poor year for us and we finished really poorly, but we were able to, to learn some lessons. We were able to grow and, and move forward. So, um, We look at this year as a a step back, unfortunately, Um, but we know that we certainly can take two to three steps forward in the very near future.
3: 17 past 11, news through Kevin White has re-signed with the Wildcats. And, yeah, we'll be chatting in with him, of course, prior to midday, and also Brad Rewilla out of the 11.30 News. Dean Margets is here, retired AFL umpire. Great career, Dino, 0487 736 736. If I ever bagged you in the moment at the footy, ha-ha, my apologies, but with all respect, you did really well as an umpire. That's Roy, who's a, an avid listener. Without you guys, we wouldn't have a great game. Thank you, Roy. Yes. Hardy Hardingham on Facebook has said, please ask Dean Margets about his uh, af uh, his, uh, his playing career. I think uh, Hardy, who played at Subiaco, I think, mm-hmm. still coaches around in that area. Uh, he's at Kenwick.
1: He was a Kenwick boy, yeah. Uh, I was, where were you, Thornley? I was Maddington. Maddington. Maroon and Gold. Um, yeah. Played 57 league games uh, for that club. Loved it. i would played that club since I was did seven. Did you walk
3: past the – did you not do the gym? Didn't do weights or anything?
1: No. What was the gym? <laughs> 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 I was a very, very – and he knows this. He's actually – is sticking it to me here a bit, but I was a very, very wide receiver. I got a lot of the footy, but I did. He was more in and under. Yeah, he would he would sort of feed it to me, and i will do the. But you can't have everyone in and under. Gosh. No, you need, the, you need the very, very wide receivers, and I didn't like pain, so I wasn't going to get tackled or be tackled.
3: Uh, on the weekend when Andrew Gaff was being booed, um, could you could you as an umpire, which you, I know you go into the zone, and I asked Gaffy that, could you hear it? He goes, oh, and I knew it was coming. Um, was it loud?
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I noticed it big time. Yeah, I, I thought of, I said, to, I said to Andrew, welcome to my world. And he understood why. Well, We had a bit of a kindred sort of, because he came up to me after the game and shook my hand, as a lot of the players did. And he yeah. said all the best and well done. And yeah, it's tough because, I mean, we all know the incident happened. He's, he, he's <laughs> apologised for it. But I guess that's footy, isn't it? It's just the theatre of the game. But you would be lying to say you couldn't hear it. You just, you just have to. Mm.
3: So what do you do now? What are you going to do? What does an AFL umpire do now? We're a few days on, you had your bit of your gathering last night. Um What what do
1: you do now? I went to Dimmick's yesterday to look for a book, What Do AFL Umpires Do? (laughs) And the lady looked at me like I was completely crazy. Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to probably take a few days off next week. I even just removed myself from the waffle system just for a few days during the week, just to take a bit of a reset, just for my own head, because it's sort of been a bit of a fuzzy experience. I have felt like I've had a headache for two weeks um, working through it all. And and that's a combination of adjusting to the next phase of my life, but also um, just... um, the overwhelming amount of well wishes and support I've received too, and I want to spend a bit of time to you know personally go back and reply rather than just to a Facebook. Hey, thanks to everybody. Or that's yeah. not appropriate. I want to. Yeah. I've had you know, probably the ones I've got from young kids saying you know you're the reason why I became an umpire and you've inspired me, and I've never ever, even thought about that. Then I sort of I guess looked at the players I looked up to when I was a young kid, and I thought, gee, if I've had that sort of impact on a young umpire, that's that's pretty special, and I've, I've, I can show you some in a sec. But um, you some young kid on Instagram said, oh, can I? Can you throw me one of your sweaty wet sweatbands? Up when you walk off, and I thought, you know what? What's your name? His name was Young Lachlan, and I said, "No, I'll sign a shirt for you and give it to you before the game." He goes, "Would you do that?" I said, Absolutely. So I did that, and he actually met me when I came off after my warm up, and he actually had a number six shirt. I don't know where he got this shirt from, so I signed it for him. But I said, "Hang on, I've got one for you that I had done before." No, so I go to good. him, and then yeah, it was really good. And I, I looked in his eyes, we had a little photo, and I thought, "Wow, if that's an in- impact I've had, then yeah. that's 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 pretty good special on you, for Tino. me." I like yeah. that.
3: Now, and, and on a serious note, and I know you've been very brave. Uh, and um, as a friend, and I can see it, and I, and I read it, and I, you know, for when I was on Twitter, I was defending it a lot, uh, and on social media, did it get to you? Uh,
1: Honestly, towards the end, it did. I'll be lying if I said it didn't. It just, it, it probably wears you down a bit. You know, the constant stuff that you go on, and I know you can sort of flip it off and say I'm thick-skinned and I'm I'm used to it. But I reckon towards the end, when I knew it was coming, um, yeah, it probably does take its toll a bit, and that's why I'm sort of feel a bit tired from the. Of it now. Are you yeah. saddened
3: by... <clears throat> the effort that some people go to abuse yeah people. I am
1: absolutely am yeah I do because I can see why it has impact on people now I'm pretty you know I know mental health and depression gets thrown around quite a bit now I might be depressed sitting here now I don't even know it I don't even know what it feels like but I think after a while you, it just does take its time you just, and I've just felt myself being a bit tired just lying there and just being a bit sort of distracted and probably not fully connected to my day to day functioning um, so that might be a little red flag for me I've got to take a deep breath and go and mow some lawn or, or shoot a few golf balls just to clear my mind a bit to be honest do you wish you could get some of your harshest critics and just meet with them and and
3: have yep. a chin wag with yep. them, have a coffee with them, and just sort of say, "This is me."
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think. I think some people get allured by what they see on TV. It's just this person who comes out every two hours and just tries to um, make it about him. Um, But I think most of the people I've met, and I actually want to make the effort to probably get around to a few more people and it might be a few more sportsman's nights and a few things to share some stories and and flash up a a screen of all the things I've received. I think people are shocked when they see it. And I did a um, a talk at the police union conference last year and I I felt the police and I had some, other than they wear blue or wore blue on the weekend, there was some Similarity. It's a very
3: passive colour too. I think actually the umpire should wear that colour more often. It is nice.
1: It's a softening colour, and I actually spent two pages of my PowerPoint and had all these things that I get sent, and even police who are hardened people were absolutely gobsmacked that a a civilian (laughs) or a person could be sent stuff, and there's no recourse for it.
3: I'm going to take that one step further. Was some of it so far over the line? It was scary and nasty and um, upsetting.
1: Yeah, I I had one one day where the bloke just I don't know said can't wait to your next adopter because we want to glass you in the car park. Now, who, who writes that stuff? And Can I just share one? I was actually listening to, your, um, to a, a radio station on Sunday driving to get some bananas for my game, and uh, I can probably share who it was. It was Simon Beaumont and Will Schofield, and some bloke rang in and said, it was a Scottish guy or an English guy, and said, oh, I can't believe that Jeff Dalglish and Dima Gets, who are card-carrying West Coast Eagle members, I know that for a fact, he said, can do the Western Derby. And I, I just paused and I thought, you know what, I'm going to ring up. So I dialed the number, and I said to the guy... It's Dean gets here. Oh, hang on, we'll put you through. And I just said, look, I take real umbrage at that because you're basically inciting that, you know, we're cheating, we're lacking integrity, our credibility is shot. And I said... That's not the case. So this is my last game this weekend, and um, I don't want Jeff Douglas, who's a really good mate of mine, um, to go through that. I mean, just because I'm handing the baton over to maybe Dan and Jeff, are they going to go f- through that now? It's just a nonsense, you know. I've, I've made it really clear on this program, Goss, and I've told you many times that we go to both Fremantle and West Coast regularly, both clubs. Um, so that stuff's just uh, a bit over the
3: top. I could see that. I could see the respect that you had from the playing group, and it wasn't just because it was on the stage, but I know that behind the scenes uh, that there is absolutely no animosity for my the club and well, no. many of the players they actually and I will say this, this is a young man who plays at Collingwood Braden Maynard who's your biggest fan Yeah, and he plays at Colling- Collingwood Collingwood the great are. up by haters of all time yeah. and, so to and, and
1: there's good players and I'm, I mean I had, I had messages um, from a couple of Brisbane Lion players and Richmond players and I thought gee for a skinny bloke in Perth to, to reach out oh. that far it was pretty special to me and and I even I was doing my warm up an hour before the game and, and young Liam Henry from the Dockers walked up to me and I thought I think he's going to come and say all the best and he walked up to Dono awesome Karimo And he's a young bloke starting in his career. He went out of his way to come and shape Manor. I thought that's pretty special. And that's a Frio player. So this nonsense about the Frio dockers, it's just just sports people respecting each other who who are part of a tough gig.
3: Yeah, and uh, well, we'll see who they turn their attention to on next. Frio Fanatic on Twitter says, what's the funniest sledge he's heard? You've heard, Dean. Player to player on the field.
1: Nah, can't go there. There's one cracker, um, which happened actually in a waffle game, which I'll tell you off air, which is... <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would never play it publicly. I'm a big believer in there's lots of banter out there, but it's all done pretty respectfully. And I think the players have got a good line and I think they all understand their employees in a, in a tough gig and they go out and do the best they can.
3: What do you want to do? I know you're still involved with the referee Commission umpiring and that will probably continue. You want to develop the next lot of umpires. Uh, are you going to umpire again? Uh yeah.
1: Not sure. I'm going to do a couple of country games with my brother the next couple of weeks. That's cool, yeah, which is really nice. So you got a game this weekend? Yeah, I'm doing. So um, for
3: the Freo fans who yes. don't have a game in town, want Come to go down. to a game of yeah, footy?
1: Where, just, where's the game? It's Railways versus Cundin at Cundin oh. on Saturday. Yes. So I love um, that. I'm looking for. I think it'll be good because I've still got a little bit of an itch to scratch. Yeah, from that yeah, point of yeah. view. If I can run around and have some fun, and they can hang over the fence. Why
3: and... does your um, brother umpire? <laughs> Doesn't? Does, is there enough pain in the family?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think he just enjoys it. He, I mean, he, he only started umpiring five years ago, just through. Yeah, good fella. Uh, Good, I good met him, I'm already walking out the other uh, night. He thinks he's the better man gets of the crew, so I'm happy <laughs> to carry his bags, no problem at all. No problem at all. <laughs> Will you bounce it or throw it up at nah, the it? No, well, you saw me bounce at the weekend. Didn't miss one. No. I didn't miss one. You didn't either. Well, how would I be retiring when I can bounce like that? I know. I even said to my coach. Were you nervous
3: about the first bounce? Ah. Uh, do, do you get nervous about yeah, the bounce? Yeah, not
1: really because I just it's just what I do. Do you get nervous putting on the, the headsets every morning? Ah, uh, if I'm not
3: if I'm not prepared. <laughs> if I'm not prepared I was then.
1: prepared. But I, I actually said to my coach in the, in the in the headset, I said how can I be retiring when I'm bouncing darts like this? And he goes, "No, nah, good call. But nah, it was it was especially to get the straight one up and the last one, I think to blow full time at the end there was yeah. just a nice moment. I was the furthest away and I think jeff and nick brown my colleagues sort of navigated me into that area which was really nice it was it was special all the best thank you
3: uh you were going to have a career somewhere in the footy landscape and you never know it could be with this station whatever it may be i think you're going to add a lot to it you're a good fella Um, It was a great way to go out. Uh, As saddened as I am that it's finished, I don't know who I can defend now. (laughs) Now We've got to find someone else. I've got to find someone. But, mate, um, well played. Enjoy the weekend with your bro. Thank you. Uh, Enjoy a couple of days away, and uh, we'll see you around the traps. And... um, Mm -hmm. Oh, if anyone wants to, you know, um, after-dinner speaker. and and um, A. We well, it's my yep. We can do it. As a, I'll sit down. We'll do it sort of like a open yeah, absolutely.
1: I need, well, I, can... I, need, I need to find a new job too. So whenever Gilly's sick or got a sniffle, give yeah. me a call and we can roll it out and see <laughs> we go. But I just, can I just say, I just want to say thanks to Chris Owen and yep. yourself, Tim, you SCN um, for being great supporters, not just me personally, but for umpiring in general. It makes a big difference. Yeah, so thank you. Thank, thank you
3: for coming in. Dean Margetts, and thank you for all your, your feedback as well. It's 19 degrees. Uh, coming up, Kevin will from the Wildcats, he's re-signed for the caddies. And also get your pen and paper ready because... Brad Rawilla has got four rides at Belmont today. and You've got to get in early because his best is in the first at four past twelve. Always gamble responsibly. Let's touch on some racing news now, of course, across the road at Belmont Park. Just f- f- a drop, kick and punt from our SN Studio stables. There is a nine-race program and with four rides today, one of the form jockeys here in WA and f- certainly been pretty busy. He was He's done the uh, Kalgoorlie meeting on the weekend where he rode a winner as well. And we're talking to Brad Rawilla who's been kind enough to join us. You're enjoying some success at the moment, Brad. It's uh, all very good.
9: Yeah, we're um, having, having a good little run at the minute. And, yeah, hopefully we can just keep uh, building on getting more rides. And, yeah, you say I'm busy. Jesus, this, is, this isn't anything compared to back in Victoria where i um, riding every day. And, um, yeah, it's quiet time here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Bit uh, Hollywood time. The one thing you are over here, uh, Brad, at the moment is, is safe, safe from COVID, which is good news.
9: Yeah, I look it's um tragic to hear the the cases of New South Wales this morning and um obviously going through that with Victoria um in July last year I know that it's um yeah, really tough but uh yeah that they'll Keep fighting strong, and I'm sure they'll get
3: through it. You've also picked up uh, some wonderful rides in recent times for Ash Malley, of course, who trains up at Gingin, formerly from Lancelin. We've having him on the show. His stable's firing, and it seems to coincide with your form as well. So, and I know you've got a couple of rides for him on Saturday, but it's nice to attach yourself to one yeah. of the form stables going around.
9: Yeah, absolutely. He's, um, he was just sort of saying a few weeks ago, before he sort of runs out of it, it was it had been a little bit frustrating for him, and and. Um, We've turned that on, on a Ted since and, and yeah, he's um, yeah, he's horses are just Look, looking super and you know running well and in, in great confidence. So um, certainly when, when you're riding for um, an informed stable, it's it's great great um, to be sitting on top.
3: It is. And let's go to your rides today. You've got the four rides. One of them is scratched, of course. But uh, so you've got the four mounts, and uh, everyone likes this way of starting a, uh, a meeting. Race one, number one, over a thousand metres, and a horse that you've ridden a couple of times, and uh, you've obviously been run up on both occasions, and it's going to go around pretty much a short price favourite, along with the one down the bottom. Finest clobber. We're talking about the invisible man.
9: Yeah. Well, he's he's um he's of his win. obviously two seconds to date. Um, he's he's sort of been his own worst enemy a little bit. Just not have been able to put him away after straightening. He's sort of just is, is still a little bit new and um, has got off the track and has taken a little bit of riding. Last start, I mean, it was just frustrating right on the sort of line. His head come back and probably. Um, was very you know unlucky not to to, to get the bob so, um, you know he, he goes in with with race, um, race experience over probably a few of the the first starters obviously Durant's first starter but um, he, he's got an advantage there and and we've drawn well today which also is going to be important he's um, drawn towards the outside both both his starts today so um, yeah I'm looking forward to him hopefully he's just. Just, just a little bit more experience again and, and can um, hopefully put him away today. He's, like I say, he's um, deserved, of a, deserved of a win. And, and um, yeah, he's a smart horse. It's going to be better next prep, but, um, yeah, he looks well-placed today.
3: Certainly does. Race one, number one. Interesting enough, he's had uh, these two race starts where he has been runner-up. He's been on a heavy, a slow, and now he finds himself on a good four.
9: Yeah, that's certainly an interesting point, but, um, you know, so obviously I wouldn't have been worried if it was week uh, today, but um, yeah, it just throws a, um, just a little unknown, I guess, you know, being on top of the ground but I, certainly I'll, I'll be going out there not not thinking there'll be any concern. Maybe we might be better again.
3: Jason Pateman does a good job with his horses and this horse, Mong Khan, goes around having its, uh, its resuming from a spell. Has got some pretty good form first up.
9: Yeah, and um, yeah, his first up running at the 1,200 was a game second. Um, my ride on him last time, or um, his last run of his last preparation was over the mile and and, and um, was, was very game, fought hard um, to just go down. I'm sort of a little bit not sure really quite how to place how, um, being at the 1200, but we're drawing well um, and just sort of looking at the speed map, I, I'd, I'd envisage we'll be landing right behind the speed. And, should be able to get a good run and, and um, certainly he's got to be one of the main chances in the race.
3: It certainly does. race for Mong Khan, Jason Papman, Brad Rawilla, our guest. Your own Aussie boy, of course, goes around in race five on the program again for the Jason Papman Stable. And this is a horse that you have ridden to victory. Um, and it was a pretty impressive one down there at uh, Pinjara.
9: Yeah, he's good. He's, he's um, got his quirks, but um, I did like that um, his last 50 metres, he... he you know, had to fight hard, and down the straight, it's always sort of a longer for thousand, it seems. You know, the last um hundred can catch them, catch them, um, unawares if they're not not ready to go. And and he, yeah, like I say, he kept, kept really fighting hard then. And um, yeah, around, around the bend, he's, he's going to be put himself in a, in a forward position and um, yeah, a little bit better grade. So, we'll see how he. Um, lined up. Got a few races off until the last
3: race. Now there's a bit of a bit of a switcheroo here. Brock Luthwaite uh, with yourself and Willie Pike. Willie's been on Pearls and Prawns goes on to Thrilled and you've been on Thrilled and you're going on to Pearls and Prawns. Just tell us a bit about Thrilled. Thrilled goes around here at a $3.40 favourite at this stage. You wrote it last time. It lumped 62.5 kilos. Can you give the punter some sort of lead when it finished third at Pinjarra about, about that run?
9: Oh, look, it was very good. I thought um, Actually you did get. Oh um, no, I'll it. But, but he, he, he was 62 kilos is 62 kilos, and um, I was a little bit frustrated when we stepped. We we um, didn't get the position that we needed. We ended up being a pair further back than what would have been ideal. And um, um, and, and it's such a sort of fine line then with with the big weight where you sort of make it make your run. So I was sort of just trying to build as best as I could and. Um, yeah he, he then you know being a bit of a sprint um with with the big weight we weren't able to get get this sort of job done but he, he certainly looks still well placed going in there today that um you know he he's he's gonna be running well so um yeah well um I'm looking forward to to be riding pearls and Pride like yeah. uh, the other day the thousand i just i think like um was, was probably the thousand meters are a, a bit sharp and um it worries me the barrier that's that's where it really is it's just tricky how we we're going to map but um i mean we can certainly push forward, but we don't want to be pushing forward and getting caught caught wide no cover or anything like that so um that'll that'll come down to me right if we' are in the inside five I would have been very confident that um you be able to be because the thirteen hundred tempo should just really suit him. You know, you should be able to make, make, make play. But um, like I say, just from where we're drawing it might be a little bit sticky. So um, that'll, that'll be my job on, on top um, to, to, you know, get that that worked out. Hopefully in the first fifty metres.
3: Yeah, it could be a good one for Brock Luthway. There, Pilsen Franz hasn't seen too much of the uh, inside rail over its last couple of starts, and it's not going to be suited by that draw. It's going to need your guidance and your guile, Brad Rawilla. What's your best? Is it race one, number one?
9: Uh, look, I think it has to be. Um, I, I think he looks well placed in the race, um, and yeah, and like I say, the barrier should should play a part, um, you know, for his benefit today for sure. Brad Rowilla joining
3: us on Sporting Goss with his rides today. You've got a couple of rides at Pinjarra tomorrow, and then you're heading to the track at Belmont on Saturday. Always appreciate your time, mate. You didn't get up to Broome, I would imagine. Have you ever ridden in Broome?
9: No, I haven't. I was um, sort of keen to to um, be able maybe get there for the Broome Cup cup meeting and and yourself and Nash had actually spoken about it a couple of months ago um, about uh, maybe we could work a week there working holiday, we both go there and and have a week there and and, um, obviously um, how Sydney is at the moment um, we've known for probably a fair while now that um, that wasn't going to happen so um, I guess that ended up on the back burner a little bit but um, yeah, probably me next looking forward, to it would be um, Kalgoorlie, the Cup Carnival there in a month's time.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate your time, mate. Uh, all the best out there at Belmont today and over the next few days.
9: Thank you very much. Good you. There's time. Brad
3: Rawilla joining us on Sporting Goss. He's one of the best jockeys in our state, if not the country, and he should be getting a whole lot more rides. He's been kind enough to join us. So race one, number one, but he has a good book of rides today at Belmont. You're listening to Sporting Goss. <laughs> 16 away from 12 o'clock Yeah
4: Watch
7: uh,
3: Ah the old Wildcats. And the news through that for the 11th season of his career, veteran point guard Kevin White returns for a second year with the Perth Wildcats. And I like this tweet on Twitter from Greg Hire, And I read it word for word. Love this signing. Selfless, driven, an incredible human being and a great bloody basketballer. No surprises that guys on the team were asking the powers to be to re-sign him. Love it. Kevin White joins us on the show. That's nice praise. High praise from a former Perth Wildcat Championship player in Greg Heyer. Kev, and congratulations on the new deal.
4: Thanks, Coss. How are you, mate?
3: Yeah, going well. So that that's really nice, and it's nice to, to be going around, and, and a little bit of unfinished business for you. I'm a, of course, uh, uh, the championship uh, got derailed a little bit through various forms late in the season, but uh, you get a chance to, uh, a bit of redemption for next year.
4: Yeah. Um, obviously, a little disappointed with how things turned out. Not like, right. I mean, I felt like the team, all year we planned on, you know, you plan on winning a championship, and... To get so close, um, and injuries just play a big part or a small part in uh, not allowing us to have our full squad in on court at the right time of year. You know, all the other teams dealt with injuries throughout the year, and it just seemed like ours hit us at the wrong time. Um, so to to be able to re-sign, come back, join uh, the majority of the group back there, and and have a, have another crack is a pleasing thing. And you know, it's it's an amazing thing to to walk away from your first year with the Wildcats and you know, the support you get from old players like Greg and that uh Damo, the guys that uh, have been there past in the past for a very long time, Mike Ellison and, and everyone else that's involved. Um it's a pleasing thing to be coming back to a place like
3: that. A lot of people are getting a little frustrated because there's no coach and uh, no star signings yet. But I did hear Craig Hutchison uh, on Melbourne Radio or on actually on the, on the podcast the other day, the Sounding Board, when asked by someone from the public saying, "You know, when are you going to announce?" He said, "Danny Mills has got it all under control. They'll they'll uh, they'll, they'll sort out the coach and the players will follow." Um, are you confident you're going to have a, a group together very very shortly? And does that help your preparation?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm currently still in New South Wales, um, so the next step for me is to try and work out how to get me and the family over um, <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> over to WA. I kind of the club scrambled to help get me back here when uh, season finished because we were in quarantine, returning from Victoria. Um, and as soon as I arrived in New South Wales, we entered the second week of lockdown and it's been ten weeks since, so um, that's my next step. Uh, I spoke to Danny probably a week ago, um, and we had a great chat. He seems like you know he's very passionate about the Wildcats, um, very passionate about getting his family back there, and, and you know jumping on top of this thing as soon as he can to. Mm-hmm help provide the team with as much support and, um, you know, the player, the right players that are going to fit the culture and the right coach that's going to come in and be able to, to lead this team back to where it deserves to be.
3: Very much so. And when you talk about the coach, not that you're going to tell us anything and you're not going to probably convert any of the conversation you had with Danny, but do you have a vibe about what sort of coach they need or are going to get, do you think?
4: Yeah, um, Oh, to be honest, I've I've got no idea. Um I haven't been involved in any of those conversations. The conversation with Danny um was more around the guys and the team and, and trying to get me back there and um that was they were kinda of our conversations as uh, for what happens with the coaching position. I know Mike's in there. Um Luke Brennan's also there returning from last year and um whoever they whoever they bring in I think will be a great fit for the group. Um it's just a matter of, you know, Danny and the people above working all that out um, and and finding the right person to to fit the group that is there and, and fit the culture I think. It's not about the co- the the coach coming into Perth and moulding the co- the culture. Everything's already set and in, in place um, for someone to come in, and you know they can put their twist and style on it. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, the Wildcats are who they are because of their whole organisation, um, and the coach will be a, a part of that. Um, and whoever they decide to bring in, I think will be a great fit. How'd you go watching the Boomers in the Olympics? You soak it all up. You love it. Yeah, loved it. Um, you know, the messages you get from old teammates who have been a part of that um, that process for a very long time—it's um, a special thing. And to watch that group um, do what they did and, and represent, I think, basketball from Australia and, and, and all the other all the other places um, that these these guys play uh, throughout the world is is an amazing thing. I think it's only going to boost the platform that we've got here for the NBL. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to see how passionate and how well um, that whole group carried basketball for Australia uh, was amazing. You know, you stand there and you see the Gazy talk at the end of the year. <laughs> how good, still was seeing, that? I'm still how seeing, good was that? Yeah, I'm still seeing stuff from Paddy. Um, and every time you start to read more and more about what they talk about, it starts to bring tears to your eyes because mm-hmm. they're the love they have for not only basketball but their country and their people. and the people that have supported this thing from day one is, uh, is so it just takes it to another level, really.
3: It does, and and even like someone like a Dante Exum, who you know is pretty much, you know, I know he was born here and the like, and his dad played a lot of basketball here, but you know he's predominantly grown up in the states. But to pull on, and he wouldn't have got a game in the in the in, in, the, in the American team. That's that's by the by. The fact is that his investment, you could see his investment throughout that whole Olympic campaign, was next level and he was so important down the stretch and how much he loved it and what it meant to him to, to win a bronze medal for his country.
4: Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think there's been several players in similar positions. Matisse um, guys like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you can't speak highly enough about the, thing, the way they talk about the group, uh, the way they talk about the culture of Australian basketball. And I don't think that just stops with that group. I think it filters down to, into into a lot of the clubs um, and and the families that these people represent. Um, it's because at the end of the day, it's not not just about them. Uh, it's about their families. It's about you know everyone else that has helped them along the way um, to get where they are and, and to represent their country is the number one thing, but it also is a representation of who they are as people. And, you know, we couldn't have had a better group out there on the floor representing us, I don't think.
3: No doubt. Kevin White is in New South Wales at the moment, trying to get back because he has re-signed with the Wildcats for another year. So, Whitey, exactly where are you right now? And I know you're in hardcore lockdown here in New South Wales and today the news: 633 <laughs> new cases. I mean, it's just a, a disaster what's going on over there. What are you doing right now? Are you fishing?
4: No, I'm out in the backyard cutting up the cardboard boxes. That um, so when I was in Perth, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> illegally burning cardboard boxes in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, when I moved over to Perth, my fiance was four, three months pregnant, and we yeah. moved. We just bought a new house, so she moved in. Um, Unpacked everything in our hearth. So we've got all this cardboard boxes and stuff sitting around that's been here since day one. Um, And now that we've got to move out and put our house on the market, rental market, I'm trying to get rid of a lot of stuff and nothing's open. I can't take it to a tip. I can't take it anywhere so I'm just out the back turning cardboard. <laughs>
3: and, oh, so that and, was the, that was and, the, that was, the what, sta- was that the Stanley that, trimmer
4: I could hear? Was that the Stanley is, tri- Stanley knife that you can hear. It's not a, <laughs> not a fishing reel.
3: <laughs> it sounded like a fishing reel. It sounded like you're halfway through a cast and I'm thinking, what's going on here? I thought you were in lockdown. Here you are trying to catch dinner for the night. Uh, that's very funny. Very, very funny. Oh, so, so the plan is, um, well, there's, what is the plan? Because not,
4: in. Uh, so we've got to, yeah, we've got to get vaccinated. Um, yep. So I had my first jab yesterday. Rachel, yep. get hers um, in the coming days and then uh, make the move from there. So I think Good with stuff. the first vaccination done, um, a negative test, uh, we're very lucky where we are. We're down. So we're the last uh, postcode border. We border the... Um, border the last area code or local government area that's out of restrictions so we're pretty much 200 metres from being outside of the greater Sydney region um, down here in Wollongong. So we are lucky. There's a bit of freedom. That, I mean, not really freedom, but if we cross that local government area, um, shops and stuff are open to be able to go get takeaway coffee and and all that like all the like um, of restrictions just to keep local businesses open. Yep. Uh, but in, in terms of being able to go see family and hang out with family and friends, can't do any of that. So good on you, mate. It's been a lot of a lot of family time, which has been unreal. Stay safe. See you when you get here. Will do. Appreciate it, Goss. Kevin White,
3: Wildcat for another year. One minute away from the top of the hour. Thanks for your company. Thank you to Mike of Woodlands, who says Dante was actually born and raised in Australia, played high school basketball in Australia. His only negative is an Essendon supporter. Good on your mic. Thank you for the clarification. Tomorrow, Stacey Francis-Bayman from West Coast Fever. Tom Randall talking motorsport. Life of Riley. We take a look at the races for the weekend. He might have a winner for us for Pinjarra. And, of course, we will be hopefully chatting to uh, some footy with uh, St Kilda, Brisbane, Fremantle, on West Coast... Uh, players, coaches, and whoever else we can get our hands on for tomorrow's show. Currently 19.2 degrees, plenty of blue sky out there. We have got some rain forecast over the next few days. Not a lot of rain, I don't think. I'm looking. Oh, no, hang on. Tomorrow's going to absolutely persist down. 20 mils of rain. Fair dinkum. Get your brollies out, everybody. Hey, have a good day, whatever it may be. Always gamble responsibly, always have some fun. We'll be back on your radio tomorrow between 10 and 12. And don't forget Gillian Goss from 6 o'clock on Friday morning. Have a good one. Stay safe. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.